Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Are you trying to master the game of life without success? There are secrets and strategies to living your best life. We'll share some of them with you on today's show. Take advantage of this series to become an expert at relationships. All relationships. It's time to live the life that you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Sandra Reich. Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich, a show about living your best life. We try to tackle psychological topics and not only psychological topics, any topic that really can have an effect on how you live your life. And I can't personally think of a topic that's more relevant at this time in everybody's life. And um, I mean, some people are really good at this, but most people in society and in life try to grasp onto control. And I certainly will explain why that is. And yet, you know, teaser right off the bat, control is an illusion. So that causes a lot of problems. So today we're going to try to look at why people get addicted to control. um, And if in fact you see yourself as a bit of a control freak, and again, like, please know that I certainly relate to that. Um, There are major dangers to this and being a control freak can really waste your time and energy and have a profoundly negative effect on your health. Um, So what do we do? Because we all like to control. How do we deal with it? How do we go forward with that? We're going to try to tackle all that today. So first of all, I invite you, as I always do, you very rarely do it, but you never know. Today might be the day. Call us at 1-866-472-5792. If you don't like to call and you prefer to text, it's 1-514-796-4357. Or you can always email us at info at helpforanxietydepression.com. I have to tell you, we are very touched by how many of you are listening to this show on a regular basis. It blows my mind every time I see it. And from all parts of the world, and once again, showing that people struggle with the same issues all around the world, and control is definitely one of them. So as always, I bring in a guest to discuss the topic with me. And by popular demand, I have in the house... Melissa Henley, clinical counselor, works at the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression, specializes in emotions, anxiety, relationships, family dynamics. You name it, she handles it, and she handles it beautifully. Uh, She's become quite the regular on Straight Talk, and I know you guys love hearing what she has to say. Welcome back, Melissa, and thank you for being here today. Thank you. I'm really excited about this show today because uh, I, I hear you talk about it a lot, and I can relate to being a, a, a little bit of a control freak myself. Right. So I'm really excited to talk about this today because I find, too, that a lot of people, and when I first learned about it, too, I had a hard time recognizing why is it such a bad thing. Right, right. So let's start with that because I, I think that's where it gets really tricky because the field that we're in, anxiety, Mm -hmm. there's a link between anxious patients and control. And so I want to start to draw the picture on that. Okay, because I said control is an illusion. And that's our fundamental problem. Because you see, as humans, we live in a dangerous world, there is danger everywhere you turn. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody listening can relate to that we could be in danger right now, you could be in danger right now. So we're always afraid of danger. So what we try to do is we try to grasp on external control. Mm. And the problem is that external control, we have no control over. And that's where anxiety starts, right? Because we see that it doesn't work. We're counting the tiles. We're not getting on the airplane. We're not driving the car, but it doesn't mean we're safe. Nope. So 
I want to definitely get to right off the bat the idea of external versus internal control to give people some hope because internal control is something we do have. Mm -hmm. I do have control over the thoughts in my head. Mm -hmm. That's one thing you always have. Yes. But I don't have control over my external reality. I don't have control over how you treat me today Mm -hmm. or where the the ceiling falls down on my head. No. So it's a bad thing because it's uncontrollable. Excuse the pun. Right? Yes. And anxiety patients are the ones who love to hold on to. As a matter of fact, I'll just say this before I hand it over to you. The typical thing that an anxiety patient says in my office, which always makes me smile a little bit, is they say, I have anxiety, but I have it under control. Yeah. That always makes me smile <laughs> because the, the way to have anxiety, like, so to speak, under control is by letting go of control. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts. Melissa, take it away. It's true. And, and that's a, a lot of. Of um, you know, we hold on to this external control because if if um, if if I have anxiety and then if I if I try to control everybody everything else and everybody else in my life, then it feels like I have a little bit more power. But it's it's an illusion, right? Because this power, I don't really have any power whether the the you know the the ceiling is going to fall, and I don't have much control of that. But it gives us a false sense of security because it does. when I feel more in power, I feel a little bit more secure. Yeah. But the reality is, is that I don't have any control if the, yeah. if the roof is going to It's fall. almost a bit depressing what you're saying. Yeah. You know, because, and, and I thought it was so smart what you said, because that's where we get fed into believing. So if I do something like, oh, I'll say this to my partner and I'll get him to do this, and then it actually works, then we start to believe that we have control. Yeah. But we don't actually have control, so it may not work the next time. No. And I remember reading, you know, one of my favorite books, Codependent No More, where they mm-hmm. talk about the fact that when you think you're controlling someone, they're often controlling you. Yeah. Let's say you're like, like in that book, That's they're talking true. about hiding the alcohol in the house so that mm-hmm. the person doesn't drink, but who's controlling who, mm-hmm. right? Because that you've now, like, you're responsible for their entire life. I had people call the clinic this week on behalf of their brothers, sisters, husbands, wives, and they're trying to micromanage everything because they want their partners or their kids to be okay, which sounds lovely. Sounds, yeah, sounds. It sounds like it's coming from a loving place, and it yeah, is, but but it doesn't. It doesn't work. Doesn't Why work. doesn't it work, Melissa? Well, it's hard actually. I found. Uh, um, you know, when I actually, I wanted to talk about this when, and it ties into why it doesn't work is that when I used to work at the retirement home, I worked there for three years before I went doing to, what, what did you do there? So I was a caregiver. Oh, wow. Yeah. So which I, by the way, caregiving is a, sy- a synonym for it's control. True. It's true. Well, we have to talk about oh that. My God, oh, wow. Look at that. that. <laughs> okay, go. Um, so I was a caretaker, caregiver there. Mm-hmm. And, um, what, what, um, at this specific ty- retirement home, they talked a lot about, um, this idea of giving the seniors more control over their lives right right? so for example if if I was helping them get ready and I was tying their shoes you know whatever independence they still have left we really want to encourage that so even if it might take me 10 more minutes that really to encourage the 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 senior to to really tie their own shoes and they found that a lot of research actually where it comes from is that when people feel like they have more control it actually leads to longevity Mm. Okay. So when people But that's locus of control. Yes. So so if if that if the person feels like there's more in control, 
right? That will lead to longevity. And, and that's an internal focus of control. Internal. internal. So we have to highlight that. Yes. Because internal you always have. And that's why they're living longer. If they feel they have internal. But if it's external, let's yeah. let's make sure people understand. Yes. What's an example of external control? External is like if I try to control somebody else. Or if I try to, um, you know, not go to school because I'm scared of something would happen. Like something right. that's... So I'm trying to control my environment. My environment. Something outside, outside of Outside of me. Okay. So with the seniors that they found, you know, with when they have a choice, they, it actually helps them. So then also in the research, they found, too, that we we're born to always make choices and to choose. But the problem is this, like, so this this desire to want to choose and to control might be like in our biological, like hardwired we, DNA. Yeah, DNA yeah, yeah. Right? I read about that actually today preparing for the show. Yep. Yeah. So we might conclude that actually um, that if we if being in control actually leads leads to positive things, then maybe uh, the key to success would be to control everybody and everybody else. Right. right. But that's where the problem becomes because it's not the key to success. Right. Right. And right. And so and so we think that by by having this more control of ourselves, other people, that it would actually help us and and to reduce our anxiety. And I love how you said that that it's a sign of anxiety. I love I, I just love chatting with you, Melissa. I mean, it's we have such great discussions. It's it's almost like the radio show is a sidebar. Yeah. You know, like we do the radio show, but like I, it's our way of getting together and shooting it's like true. shooting the you know what. Um. So you brought up something that I read today that I thought was so interesting is from an evolutionary standpoint, mm-hmm. the belief that is hardwired in us is if we can control our environment, then we have a far greater chance of survival. Mm-hmm. So our deep subconscious mind gives us like a push to say that we should try to control things, especially when we're in a fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. So, so okay, so this honestly happens on, moment to moment in my own life. It really does. Like I can think of the last 48 hours of my life and – there definitely have been moments where you get that push, like you want to control what's going on yeah. and you almost get a flutter of anxiety. It does feel like anxiety because you feel like <gasps> this is going to happen. And I don't like this. I want to change it. Mm-hmm. I practice what I preach. So as it starts to come up for me and I feel my body tensing, and this is what we're going to get to on the show. What do you do with this is uh, I remind myself Sandra, mm-hmm. you got to let go of control, okay, is that let go of the outcome. I have no control on the outcome. And that is the antidote to the anxiety, too, because when your anxiety is people get anxiety and fear confused. Mm-hmm. So fear is very adaptive. You see a saber-toothed tiger, you're mm-hmm. supposed to be afraid. Mm-hmm. Anxiety is fear of fear. Mm-hmm. It's anticipatory in nature. You're thinking of something before it happens. Mm-hmm. That's the key definition here. Yeah. So let's take this further. If it's anticipatory and I'm thinking of something, then I'm trying to control it. Mm-hmm. So the way to stop that cycle is to go, hold on, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say one more thing, and I'll, I'll hand it to you, is that even if we do it in a positive way, it's still not right. Even if I go, everything's going to be great. They're going to love me. That's still off. Mm -hmm. I find people don't talk about that. They talk about Mm -hmm. like, well, if it's positive, it's great. Mm -hmm. No, Mm -hmm. not necessarily. Could be a a huge fall. How do I know they're going to love me? Yeah, we don't. We don't. And and that's the part where we're letting go. I can imagine, and I went through this, my own journey, is that it's really hard Hard. to let go. Hardest. So hard. Hardest. And that would mean that you and I are probably both perfectionists because the research shows that perfectionists have this disease more than anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is that when we start, 
start to control, right? Because you said it's anticipatory. So we're scared of what the outcome is going to be. So when we try to control it, our anxiety in the short term goes down. Oh, and that's this is so reinforcing. Uh, oh, that's say that again. That's very important. Yeah. We'll say that last sentence again. So, Your anxiety goes down and that's what? Reinforcing. Explain. So when when I control things or other people and they and I get what I want and my anxiety goes down, then I'm going to keep doing it. Right. Right. Because you figure this is a great trick. And you that's have. yeah. And, and then I feel more powerful. But the problem is that power and that anxiety decrease is actually very short lived because it just teaches me that I need to control more in order to get more powerful and and less anxiety. And so that's where it starts to then leak into controlling other people and situations and after that, the long-term feeling is ending up feeling resentful and frustration. Oh, yes. Well, that's the who's controlling Kobe's. You've just yeah. lost your life trying to control other Everybody people. Everybody else. Right. Okay, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this perfectionism um, and the need or effort to be perfect that feeds the control, how to get out of it, and what you just talked about, the dangers, the stress, anxiety, and burnout Mm. that can come from trying to control your environment. It's really quite exhausting. So don't go far. We'll be right back on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. 
So we're back on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. I um, I'm Sandra, and I'm here with Melissa Hinley, clinical counselor. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, and uh, this is a topic that we deal with in our offices day after day after day because control is very linked to anxiety problems. Um, so bring me somebody with anxiety, and I'll show you someone who tries to grasp onto control. Um, you know, preparing for the show and looking at the issues with people who like control is a little bit um, it's a little bit like getting naked, I have to say, because um, perfectionists and both Melissa and I are admittedly fall a little bit into this category. And, you know, therapists are not above getting addicted to control. I mean, as a matter of fact, caretakers in general love control. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to do it professionally. It's not okay to do it after hours. I've had to really learn that. So Mm -hmm. uh, the research on perfectionists, perfectionists want to have control all the time. But here's the part that was a little disturbing is that perfectionists are very insecure people. Wow. Yeah. But interesting. Think about it. Mm -hmm. What's the strive for excellence and perfection all about? So that's the funny thing about life is society rewards you for being a perfectionist. I mean, God knows if you go hire a brain surgeon, you want him to be a perfectionist. (laughs) But you may not want to marry him. No, that's true. Okay. You want him to be a perfectionist. Perfectionists are very neurotic and Mm -hmm. controlled Mm -hmm. and detail oriented. Mm -hmm. But they're very driven people too mm-hmm. so we have to also do the psychology makeup of someone who's like that mm-hmm. is the reason perfectionists are insecure people is that they have probably been raised mm-hmm. in families mm-hmm. where good wasn't good enough yeah yeah and i know you and i have had private conversations and we can relate to this we can high standard parents yes my parents were very perfectionistic yeah. Yeah. and some would say well that served you well you've done well the research shows that i have done well i appreciate that comment but the research shows that i probably would have done better really without the perfectionism actually be. because the mm-hmm. perfectionism adds a lot of stress and it's people do even better when they're not stressed yeah it's a lot of pressure and this ties into like yeah like not feeling like it's ever enough and that's why it's always trying to reach up to the standard that is almost doesn't even exist right right we have this idea of what it is Perfect. but it doesn't there's, even exist right and and, you, and there's nowhere to go but down by the no, way even no, if you no. get there yeah so you're only as good as your last accomplishment have you ever had those moments you yes. do you have a great talk you do yeah. something great you're like i'm high it feels yeah. great yeah. 10 minutes later yeah uh, yeah wah 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 <laughs> yeah. until your next thing yeah very addictive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Continue. and with the perfectionism and feeling in control, like it's very true. I love how it says it's insecure people because we would never think that, you know, we see that, no. they're, like you said, high driven. They usually make a lot of money. They do very well in life. They do very well. And so, but the thing is that a lot of times, even the fact that we need to control our surroundings and be this perfectionism. I usually find when I go back and and look at my clients and see where does it stem from? Because there's always a reason why we are the way we are. And Mm -hmm. and there's a reason why our behaviors are driven in a certain way. And so when we, a lot of times this control and this perfectionism comes from, it's because we couldn't trust, like if we go back into our childhood, that somewhere along there we couldn't trust that our needs are going to be met okay that's very important please keep talking yes so we couldn't trust and so sometimes maybe our needs were met and sometimes maybe they weren't and this could be any type of needs we all have needs we have uh you know needs obviously there's the obvious ones of shelter love food Mm -hmm. safety right but there's also emotional needs that uh that we have and so sometimes we can uh, identify that maybe uh, our needs weren't met some of the times. And so that's why we don't trust, like in, in our adulthood, we might not trust that the other person can give us what we need. And so that's why we may have this tendency to want to control 
and and to control the other person into making them give us what we need. Beautifully said, I must say. Mm -hmm. That's such an important point. What do you think about that? Well, first of all, I think you said it very, very well. And I think that that is exactly what's driving the car. And the problem is, and this we're off on a little bit of a tangent that I think is important, though, for, for people who are listening and are struggling. Because what you just said is so important because there is an antidote to that. And I have mm-hmm. to say that I certainly use my journal a lot on that mm-hmm. particular point, is instead of looking to get my needs met always externally, which is lovely, but it doesn't always work, is can I go in and address that childhood need that you just talked about? Yeah. And I think that was such an important point, so I thank you for that. Um, again, while you're trying to control your environment, you're losing your time, you're losing your energy, you're getting burnt out, mm-hmm. you're getting exhausted. Mm-hmm. Imagine what you could accomplish if mm-hmm. you weren't focusing on that external control. Mm-hmm. So, but Melissa, you brought up people's childhood. So, you know, I didn't think this is where we're going, but that really is a pitch for psychotherapy then, because mm-hmm. how are people supposed to connect? And we weren't planning to pitch this, but mm-hmm. how are people supposed to connect with their childhood need? They need a professional to guide them, I would think. Yeah, because a lot of times we didn't think that that's what we, like I often hear my clients say well I didn't know I needed that right right and so we didn't know that but their behavior was searching for that their behavior yeah. was cle- like it, it it's it's sometimes what seems so clear it's obviously to an outside person but sometimes we don't know what if that's really what we need or if that's what we were missing um in in our childhood whether it's from a caregiver or a teacher or sibling right and so and so it's really important sometimes to try and find uh, what our blind spots might be that is driving this perfectionism or what's driving the wanting to control everybody else and, and things. Yeah, that's so important. It's such an important thing. And it's, it's, it's really cyclical, right? It just keeps you just keep going further and further in. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, let me say, it's like being a drug addict, right? Mm-hmm. The more you feel bad, and the more you think the answer is outside of yourself, the mm-hmm. more you grasp onto yeah. things outside of yourself. And then you need more and more of the drug, more control. Yeah. 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 And the problem is, is that when something does happen, that's devastating because we've been always searching and trying to control everything in our environment. And when we try it, when we really, uh, when something devastating happens, we're not building our own resilience to be able to cope with (laughs) with what's going on. Very important points. And so it's like, that's where I see a lot of people kind of crash because they've been holding on to the, the this illusion of power and safety that everything around me is fine but when something does happen uh people are very resilient but that's where i see a lot in my office is that they, they come crashing because they, they didn't have uh the skills to to trust themselves to get them through the the devastating event well that's the irony right so if you start to give up control and things start to fall apart a bit you actually evolve Mm. That's a good thing. So the emotion behind control, let's just get out there, then is fear. Yeah. Uh, fear is driving that car. And that brings up something we often say on Straight Talk, which is that uh, fear-based decisions are probably not good decisions. Mm. Even, you know, like one of our other clinicians says, and she says it so well, mm-hmm. even if even if the decision's a good decision, if it was made by fear, it's probably not a good decision. Mm-hmm. Meaning we don't want fear to make these decisions. But I'll tell you, Melissa, what the problem is and why people get addicted to this is because if you get let go of control, you have to sit in discomfort. Mm. And we don't like no. discomfort. No. 
but that's the antidote yeah. to be okay. And your resiliency comment, which was a very important comment, resiliency can only be developed through sitting in, we're getting pretty heavy today, mm-hmm. sitting in discomfort. Yeah. I can't develop a muscle without lifting a heavy weight. That yes. hurts. Yes. I can't develop resiliency without being uncomfortable. Yeah. So if I say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm not going to control this situation with my child. I'm not going to book appointments for my husband mm-hmm. and he might not go to the doctor if he needs to go or whatever the mm-hmm. example, I hear all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be really flooded with anxiety and discomfort. Mm-hmm. But if I can sit through it, mm-hmm. A, chances are the other person might rise up because yeah. that's another factor. If you're doing everything, the other person does nothing. Yeah. Brings up over-functioning, under-functioning. Yeah, it's very important. Love and that. I learn I can survive. Yeah. I want to give an example, though, about how, what I hear in my office a lot about control between women and men. Mm. So women often take on a lot of responsibility and a lot of control in the household, but they become very bitter, as you said. And so they will we'll say, like, can you delegate to your husband to do the dishwasher? And they'll say, well, no, he doesn't do it right. Okay. Mm. So it's self-fulfilling. Yeah. So. Letting go of control means also it's not going to be done the way you the way do you things. want it. Yeah, but you, it's still a win. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Yeah, because the the dishes are done, and that's one less thing that you can, can don't have to worry about, and one more thing that you can focus on that whatever you want to do during that time that you would have been doing the dishes. Yeah, you got to really break up with it though, because mm-hmm. like I'll give a personal example. For years, I would plan these elaborate trips. I used to be a travel agent. I love planning crazy trips, yeah. and we do it for my anniversary, and I. I started to get bitter like why is my husband not doing it so yeah. I said okay it's your turn to do it so the first trip he ever planned I'm not gonna lie yeah. like I, hopefully he's not listening yeah. it was pretty lame <laughs> it was not like Sandra standard yeah but you know what he, he did it he did it and also the more he did it the better the he practice. got at it yeah. and it, it was a good practice in receiving too yeah but first I had to let go and at first it was so uncomfortable because mm-hmm. I knew he wasn't going to plan something mm-hmm. amazing. So mm-hmm. it's not easy. No, it's not easy. That reminds me too, like even with uh, a silly example, but even with the dishes, right? Like if I asked for them to be done, like he said he would do them, but then it wasn't towards my standard, but then I would end up doing them. So again, I'm teaching him a message of, of not to do them, right? Because right. I'm going to do them instead. So control freaks, this is going to be our teaser for the break. Control freaks attract under functioning yes i think we've just realized that in this yeah. conversation but it makes perfect sense yeah it, control, it works yeah, for yeah. both of us yeah in the short term in right? the short term i get i get the power and control yeah and the other person gets to do nothing yeah so if you <laughs> just very little if you just met someone and they're saying what you say where do you want to go for dinner and they go it's up to you and you go oh i just love that yeah be careful yeah. It's going to backfire on yes. you. You know, yes. you're not going to love it as it goes through because you're going to, no. what, you know, what they tell us, what we're first attracted to turns on us because eventually you're going to feel like, why am I responsible for every Everything. anniversary trip, dishwasher, dinner? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. very interesting stuff. Yeah. And once, once I, at first, you know, once I let go of control I, and you talk about that uncomfortable feeling, that's exactly it. Like sometimes I have to sit with like the whole dishes for 48 hours, like not being done. <laughs> but eventually once I let go, they were done. Yeah. Okay. So you did that. I did that. It's not easy no, to do. So we got to give some steps. So when we come back, we will give some steps on how to let go of control when you are unabashedly a control freak. Totally get that. We'll be right back on Straight Talk with Sandra Rich. Your life, your health. 
your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at HelpForAnxietyDepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or HelpForAnxietyDepression.com. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. I'm here with the lovely uh, Melissa Henley, clinical counselor, Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression, discussing control. And on the breaks, we're still chatting about it because it's such a big topic. And before I go into, as promised, the antidotes and the strategies to stop, you know, feeding this this disease, because it really can become a disease, we were talking about in love relationships, Um and this is, I think, the hardest thing, you know, mm. people and mothers too, mothers and fathers with their kids. So, mm. you know, how about this question? You know, you have a loved one and you see them putting their hand in the blender. Mm. That's what I like to call it, putting their hand in the blender. They're about to do something that's going to ruin their life or hurt their life. And many, many people argue with me. They go, well, it's my responsibility to take their hand out of the blender. And uh, talking as a professional here, because personally, it's sometimes quite hard to do this, but professionally, that is not the correct answer. Now, why? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, let me play devil's advocate. Like, mm-hmm. I see my child, they're about to make a horrible mistake. You know, shouldn't I rescue them mm-hmm. over and over again mm-hmm. so that they don't ever make mistakes? Mm-hmm. Or my husband's fallen into a deep depression. I should be making an appointment with a psychiatrist for him, right? Ah, yeah. Well, tra- it's a trap. Okay. It's a big trap. Talk and so me. it sounds like it's nice and great because we're yeah. caring and it's coming from a place of love and we wanna we wanna help. It's so hard to watch someone that's suffering or watching somebody about to make a decision that is uh, not going to be the most helpful. But the problem is, is that there's a lot of problems with this. A lot. A lot. I agree. But first, like the first thing that comes to my mind is what I always say, what message are you sending to them? That's okay. the first thing I want to, I always comes to mind. So the answer to that is what? Is, well, what message? If, if you stop your child from doing something that's going to hurt themselves or making like say, calling the center and making an appointment or checking like giving them their medications all the time and 
doing everything for them, the message that you're sending to them is that they can't do it themselves. They're incompetent. They're incompetent. And by the way, in love relationships, this is, I want to get this out here, is your partner at first will say, oh, thank you so much. much. But they'll resent you, actually, because feeling incompetent is not a good feeling. I also want to put a caveat. If your child's about to cross the street and get hit, we're not saying let Let them get hit. (laughs) There are extreme circumstances where you do have to intervene. But we're talking about more... Um, you know, you've already given maybe one piece of advice. You've, let's say an example of someone being very depressed, you give them the phone number of some therapist and they're not calling the therapist. Mm-hmm. Should you be calling the therapist? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to lie. We get, I'm on the phone sometimes at the center. Mm-hmm. We get at least seven, eight calls a day mm-hmm. from, you know, very well-meaning parents, husbands of wives, sisters, brothers. Mm-hmm. And my question when I'm on the phone usually is, Oh, sure. I'd love to help you. Yeah. May I ask why the person in question is not calling? Yeah. And they're always like, well, I said I'd do the legwork for them. And I always like, you know, sometimes I'm not going to get into it on the phone, but I always, I say, are you sure they want this? Because that I do say, because you might end up wasting your money. Yeah. Because if they don't want it, it's not going to work. No, no. And that's why you see a lot of times I, I can even relate to this, like in, uh, in my uncle and aunt situation, you know, they, they, uh, my uncle's sick. And so we offer him so many suggestions. You should try acupuncture. You should do this. You should do that. And he's like, nope, nope, nope. Or like, she'll try booking all these appointments, but then he won't go. Right. And it's she, very frustrating. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for him. It's frustrating for her because she keeps trying and he keeps denying or not going, or maybe once in a while he'll go. But, you know, it, it ends up being very, very frustrating for the, the, the both of them. And so you're sending a negative, you don't mean to send that message, but that's the message that you're sending is that they're incompetent and that they can't do it. And it's like, it's like the example of me tying the senior shoes, right? If it, it, it's sending a message, you can't do it. And that's very damaging to the person. Yes, Yes. And and you're not encouraging them to take the steps. Like we're all responsible for our own lives. Yes. And even when we have mental challenges, I want to add on to that, you know, because then people say to me, they argue with me. I kind of love it. But they say things. Yeah, but he's depressed. He's not well. But he's still responsible for his life. And he still has choices. That's, oh, you're a good, good mm-hmm. counselor, mm-hmm. aren't you? Mm-hmm. You're really good. That's a really important thing. I mean, at the center, I really try hard to train the clinicians to talk like this mm-hmm. because sometimes even clinicians enable. Yeah. Yeah, we say, oh, like, and depression Fix. is really hard. Yeah, but yeah, it, it becomes this. It becomes like you tell me what to do, you no. fix me, and that's right. not necessarily yeah. what it is. Yeah, even as therapists, we have to be careful. And yeah. you know, I, I train you guys, and I, I tell therapists never work harder than your clients. And you might people might wonder why do I say that? Is because if you're in a caretaking profession and you're working harder than your patient, something's going on. Yeah. And I'll say that to a client, like I'll notice I'm leaning forward and I'm coming up with strategies and the clients like leaning back, you know, chilled out. We're in over functioning, under function. I'll say, how come I look more interested in the solution than you do? Yeah. And, and the problem with that is that it might motivate them for a little bit. But but we're, you know, whether this is a, a mother or, you know, we're not always there. We can't be with the person 24 seven. And yeah. so. So when we're not always there and so, you know, it might work for a little bit, but then what happens when we're not there? Can this person learn to trust their own decisions and to fight through the darkness and to make choices and to try and um, help themselves? But very challenging. And, you know, sometimes to come back to the your point of why we have to let them hit the wall a little bit is sometimes when you hit the wall, 
you actually get a very important lesson, you know, a bump on your nose. You learn not to hit a wall. I mean, really, that's what life comes down to. Now, what's hard is sometimes people hit the wall and they go back and hit it again. And what I always say as a clinician is that they haven't hit hard enough yet. Mm -hmm. I say, okay, you haven't hit hard enough. Mm -hmm. Okay, when it hurts bad enough, you'll stop. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that is the letting go of control concept because you're letting people take responsibility for their lives. And again, as a professional caretaker, that was probably the biggest challenge in my personal life or in my family life. When someone has a psychological challenge, yeah. of course they come to me, yeah. right? Because yeah. this is the field I'm in, but it's not appropriate yeah. And for me to start telling them to fix their life. And yeah. at first it was like a moth to a flame. They'd yeah. call me up and I'd be like, oh, I'm so happy. I'll give you a solution, which of course they never listen to. No. Right. Then they'd get angry at me because mm-hmm. it's not the right solution. And now I just say, I'm really sorry you're having a hard time. That mm-hmm. sounds rough, mm-hmm. which is not really what they want. No, no, no. But it's a very important lesson that you're teaching them by doing that because yeah. you're, you're trying to encourage their will to, to have more fire so that they can make their own decisions. And we're guiding them, but not giving them the answers. I, and yeah. so, what, so one is like the, the important message that we're sending to them. What other problems are there with, um, with trying to control whether we're making those appointments or we're stopping our child from... Well, I was just about to bring up your point that you mentioned earlier in the show is resentment. So let's imagine that, let's go with that example, but depressed husband, I make the appointment, I take care of everything um, because I don't want him to put his hand in the blender. And now he goes to the appointment or he shows up 40 minutes late to the appointment. I mean, I'm going to be super resentful, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So... And, or he maybe doesn't show up, but he keeps on going and I keep on paying the sessions and setting them up, but things are not getting better. No. So you mentioned resentment being a big factor in control. Can you say a bit more about that? Well, it's just like when we don't, when we want to control, we want them, we want the person to do what we want them to do. And unfortunately, you know, in in a perfect world, that'd be amazing if people can do what we want them to do. But, but eventually it might work for a little bit, but eventually they won't because they're their own person. And so we're going to start to get angry and resentful that they're not listening to us. They're not doing what we want them to do. So this resentment is going to start to build up and maybe we might, might try to control them harder or more um but it's like this vicious cycle um that we're we're actually going to be the ones end up like you said burnt out and sick yeah because we spent so much energy and i'm sure there's people listening right now who have someone in their family with addiction problems alcohol problems Mm -hmm. depression problems and they're listening and they're wondering oh my god are you really saying what i think you're saying which is that i've you know i Yes, you could give like um, a sentence or two, like I heard that there's some treatment for this, or, yeah. but then you have to step back and let people hit the ground, which is the hardest thing to do mm-hmm. when you love somebody, mm-hmm. to watch someone mm-hmm. hit the ground. Mm-hmm. It is, it's the worst, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you don't want to see your kids in pain. You don't want to see your partner in pain. You don't want to see your sisters in pain. Mm-hmm. You don't want to see your brothers in pain. But actually, you're doing a tremendous, tremendous gift. A lot of parents call me and ask me this question to let um, sometimes someone sit in pain or discomfort. Uh, Parents have asked me, well, you know, what if we put boundaries down in the household and they're disrespected? And if they know me personally, go, yeah, right, Sandra, would you kick your child out of the house? If it went too far and I had to, yeah, I would. But I'd be miserable. Yeah, of course. But. 
if the other problem is, and you asked other things about this, is if you don't let people put their hand in the blender, they learn that you're always going to rescue them. Mm-hmm. So not only do they feel incompetent, but they might become manipulative mm-hmm. and they might start to go, well, she's she's not going to put a boundary down mm-hmm. because she needs to be controlled too much. Yeah. So I can just get away with murder. Yeah. I can do whatever I want because yeah. she needs to be in control. So she'll take care of everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Another another big example that I thought of is that another problem with doing this is that we're spending so much time controlling other people. And this is one thing you've taught me so much that I use a lot Yay. is to say, what is your payoff by doing this? Oh, yes. Right. Yeah, what that advantage? Does sound like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what advantage does it give you by controlling everybody else and controlling the situation? And then, you know, I I thought back this in my life and, you know, with my f- group of friends, I have these you know, six group of girls that were very, very close. But I realized that I'm always the one uh, scheduling things and getting everyone together. Like I'm the organizer of the group group and yeah that sounds lovely um but the thing is I had to ask myself why am I spending so much time um trying to control every all my friends right and and trying to do everything for them why am I spending so much time doing this and what's my payoff so what could be a payoff in in that example well you're organizing it you feel that there is no way you'll be disappointed because you won't be rejected because you're setting it up and if you let go of control what if they don't invite you to go out so the control Mm. is giving you the illusion of you i mean and I'm not saying this is an illusion. Yeah. Your close group of friends may be a close group of friends, yeah. but you really wouldn't know that until you let go of control yeah. to see. And there's always that insecurity, right? If I wasn't doing it, would they be doing it? So like coming back to the anniversary trip, if there's an, if I kept on doing it, I'd always be like, oh, would he ever plan an anniversary yeah. trip for me? You can only test that out by doing it. Yeah. And it comes back by, by of what I said too, of like you're, that I that part of it is scared that your needs are not going to be met. Right. That, right. that really brings it full circle. And yeah. So if I do it myself, then I can guarantee I'll get it done right. I'll yeah. get it done efficiently. I'll get it done my way. And I get to decide where we go and what we do. <laughs> it sounds sounds awesome. Sounds great. It sounds great. But, you know, it just hit but, me that you're coming back to your question is the mm-hmm. other payoff is you end up feeling very important. Yeah. And that's that's a huge payoff. You're very mm-hmm. important. You're in charge of everything. Yeah. You're super important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that we can't that's, live without you. Yeah, exactly. That's like drugs for a control it's freak. Drugs, right? And yeah. and and then they say that you know you're the glue of the the yeah, friends, and, right? And oh, you think it feels that's so such a great thing. Feels so so good. But then again, we have to ask ourselves, and it's just because in your childhood you might have not felt important, or you again coming back to not trusting that our needs are going to be met, or don't trust that other people are going to uphold them. So. And the thing is that when I spend so much time on everybody else, I don't really have to think about me, right? When I oh, control, so you avoid yourself. I avoid myself when oh, I control everybody yeah. else, mm-hmm. right? Then you don't have to look at your stuff. It reminds me of that line in that book I was mentioning, "Codependent No More." Yeah, is that. Um, you drink if you have ish some challenges in your life some people get drunk some people take drugs and mm-hmm. some people go fix somebody mm-hmm. which is a control aspect yeah. so that you don't have to look at your own emotions and yes. your own feelings that's a very important point Melissa yeah and I see that a lot of my clients that they try to control the family and the family unit and that puts a lot of pressure like think about how much things you have to think of and to organize and to do and, and like so many things on your list that actually the number one person that's left neglected is them yeah, that's very sad, actually. Right. So that's at the base, again, of c- controlling environment. So perhaps you grew up um, feeling 
And that, I should have mentioned that before, too, is that people who grab onto control often have felt out of control in their lives. Mm. Many, many times they grew up in very out of control childhood. So it's not like you're crazy. You're not no, crazy. No. It makes sense that you are this way. And it may have even been adaptive in your childhood. It's just not adaptive anymore. So um, this time for sure, when we come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit about what you can do. But I think we already have point number one is to observe yourself, which is what you were talking about. Um, observe yourself. What are your payoffs? What are you doing here? Why are you doing it? And if you think controlling your environment is going to make you feel important, it won't. No. It will make you feel probably quite exploited because mm -hmm. uh, when you said that comment, I just wanted to come back to that, this comment when people say you're the glue that holds the family together, mm -hmm. you're the glue that holds, that is a manipulative comment. Yes. That is not a good comment for someone in your family to say to you because no. they are saying that because they want you to keep on taking keep responsibility. It. And I don't like comments like that. I'd like to go on record as saying that I'm not a fan. Yes. Right. Because there's there's a, p a huge payoff for the person saying it. They're saying, do you take all the responsibility? I, I don't, don't want have to do anything. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, we'll be right back and we'll do those uh, some strategies and try to bring this home. See you in a bit. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at HelpForAnxietyDepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or HelpForAnxietyDepression.com. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. So uh, talking about control, dangers, what's it all about? And I want to make sure we get through some of the antidotes to control. So again, step one, watch yourself, pay attention to what you're doing. Melissa brought up a great point. Look at uh, what your payoffs are. 
I know for me, when I start to feel uh, overly critical of things outside of me, it usually means I'm starting to get into the drug addiction of control. Mm -hmm. So watch criticism, watch uh, micromanaging, over planning. I was just saying to you, I'm a little bit over planned right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obsessively worrying. Those are traps. Again, you can fall into. I'm on the radio saying I fall into them. And I think, Melissa, you were saying you fall into them. We fall into these things. It is not shameful, but we got to try to get out of them. We'll go through this in more detail in a moment, but figure out what emotion is driving the behavior. I had mentioned fear, but there are many emotions that could be playing a role in it. It's often fear, but there is usually an emotional uh, content, which Melissa is so good at. So we'll have her talk about that. And then step three after that is to identify the distorted thinking. And this would sound something like, you know, if I just do this, he will do that. Mm. And that's distorted. We'll talk about that. And step four is to do the opposite of what you want to do, which is really hard because <laughs> you want to fix And so the opposite would be to do nothing, take a breath. And lastly, and this is where I wanted to mention them because we're going to run out of time very quickly, but this is the really the ultimate, the nirvana goal is to practice acceptance Mm -hmm. and self-compassion, which Mm -hmm. includes mindfulness, I do believe, which you're going to talk about. Okay, so where do we start? Should we go to the emotion? Find out. Okay, so that's your area. Go. Yeah, so you talked about fear, right? That's a big one. That's what's driving the car because we're scared of something that's not going to happen or we're scared of something that might happen that might be like this big catastrophe. And we, we actually find out that that another behavior that could be driving our our wanting to control is anger Mm. right because if i am if i see that let's say someone is um like uh, the example that we came back to that or or when i talk about my my aunt and uncle you know my aunt must be really frustrated that my uncle is not taking his health yeah right seriously that he's not doing the steps to try and help himself and that's incredibly frustrating and so a way that we want to get rid of our anger is just to do the thing for him <laughs> of course right right it diffuses your it anger diffuses the anger right so that's another reason but it's a cheap shot right yeah 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 because because you can express your frustration you know that when i watch you do this it, it's incredibly frustrating for me because i'm watching you um you know suffering i'm watching you in pain and so you can definitely uh express your anger but to use your anger right. and to avoid the conversation and to use it to try and control the other person you could take, also throw in a boundary you could say i'm watching yeah. you hurt yourself and i can't come and watch you do that yeah you don't have to go to a therapist but i can't be here watching you destroy your life exactly right yeah great okay. great so you can so the emotion is important but don't let it control either use it to communicate or put a boundary brilliant okay yeah so that's the emotion now what about the distorted thinking business what have you got to say about that so the the thought that you said um you know that the other person is uh you know we we have to pay attention to the types of thoughts that come up so as soon as you make thoughts like, um, you know, it's not, uh, the other person's not going to do it right, or I'll just do it myself because I know it gets done quicker, right? These are types of thoughts that are very dangerous and distorted. So why is that distorted? If I think that, let me just do it myself, um, nobody can do it the right way or the way that I want it to do. Why is this a problem? Okay, so look, this could be a whole show in itself because distorted yeah. thinking is a big topic. Yeah. But distorted thinking, the real litmus test for distorted thinking, is it is it an opinion or is it a fact? Would mm-hmm. it stand up in a court of law? That's what I like to do. Okay, so uh, I need to do it because nobody can do it but me. Would that stand up in a court of law? Yes or no? No. No way. That's There's no. no evidence that you cannot prove that. So no. if it's 
not, if you can't hold, you stand it up in a court of law, you're not allowed to keep it. It's called distorted thinking and distorted mm-hmm. thinking gets us into trouble. Yeah. So what's not distorted? What are, what are not distorted are your emotions. Yeah. I feel sad that she's not doing it. Fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, something about yourself is not distorted unless it's something that you're saying that's very negative. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if it's something factual that would stand up in a court of law, you can keep it. Mm-hmm. But if you can't prove it, you can't keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Because then they drive our behaviors and then we just take on too much and then we complain that we have too much on our plate. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So what about this? Do the opposite of what your emotions oh. telling you to do. Well, how do you do that? I like that one. But that one is actually a, one of the, a, a, a technique called do, is actually what it says, do the opposite, opposite action. Right. So it's like, and you were saying this at the beginning of the show, it's like you catch yourself that you first see, you, you see the physiological symptoms of anxiety. You might get like uh, tightness in your chest or like short of breath. And it's like, you want to go in to fix it or to solve it or to tell the other person what to do or you want to not get in your car because you're scared of driving or you know you you want to do things to try and control uh, whatever it is that you're scaring the catastrophe of happening and so the the opposite is literally just doing the opposite of what your gut not guts but that reaction wants to do feeling right and watching that the full catastrophe that you thought was going to happen does not happen. Does that happen? Yeah, because it rarely does. It rarely does. Like yeah. the chances of the the catastrophe that that we feared, it actually won't happen, and then we're gonna find ourselves less stressed and less pressured. Brilliant. Last. Practice acceptance and self-compassion and mindfulness. What, yeah. what does that mean? Mindfulness is huge. This is a whole wave. And we've done this show in the past. We've yeah. talked about some strategies, mindfulness. But I love one of the concepts uh, that really stands out to me in mindfulness is this idea of radical acceptance. And radical acceptance means, uh, you know, you hear people say, well, it is what it is, right? And, and that irks me when people say that because you know, it's true, but the thing is that they're not really radically accepting it because they'll say that, but then they find themselves still engaging in the behaviors of controlling. So, you know, you say it is what it is that my husband won't go to his doctor's appointments, but then you still might be doing <laughs> calling for his appointments. Right. So, so um, radically acceptance is is really mind, body, and spirit, all of you truly accepting um, the, the situation and, and to let go of uh, of not knowing. And the thing about life is that there's a lot of beautiful moments and there's a lot of scary moments, but the we can't control what happened five minutes ago. And I have no idea what's going to happen right now, but I do have control of what's going on right now in this moment. So the only part that I, I have total control is myself and right now my internal control. And that's what you can focus on is what am I going to do? What are my thoughts? What are my feelings? Um, that's what I have control of. I don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now. I'm going to repeat what you said because we're going to wrap it up on that line, which is a great line, is I only have control of what's happening right now and what's going on inside of me. Mm-hmm. Those are the only things I have control on, which mindfulness is very important because then we come back to living in the moment. Brilliantly said. Thank you so much, Melissa Henley, for bringing so much on this topic. If people want to find you, what do they do? You can call the center at 514-513-425. Oh, that's, no. my, that's my number. <laughs> okay, scratch that. Scratch Let's that. try again. You can call the center at 514-777-455. Okay. 
Uh, Melissa's giving out her personal phone yeah. number now. It's adorable. <laughs> and you can also go on our website, helpforanxietydepression.com. We also are opening our doors as we do once a year on October 30th. Um, all our clinicians will be speaking. So if you are in the Montreal area and you'd like to have a really amazing night and hear brilliant minds like Melissa speaking for free, uh, give us a call to hold your spot at 514-777. I can't do numbers today either. 514-777-4530. Uh, we're out of time. Thank you, Melissa, so much again for joining us. Thank, thank you. you for having me. Um, and thank you all for listening to the show all over the world. We really appreciate that. Uh, stay in touch with us on our Facebook page. It's Straight Talk Sandra Reich. And feel free to leave a question for me or Melissa And remember always to like our page while you're there. We like to hear your ideas for the show as well. So no problem. Write to us at info at helpforanxietydepression.com. You can hear this and any prior show as a podcast on my website, straighttalksandareesh.com, on the podcast app of your iPhone and on iTunes under Straight Talk with Sandra Reesh. And remember that if you're looking for further training on topics like this, you can always be in touch. We love to hear from you. My name is Sandra Reesh and I I promise I'll help you learn to live your best life again next Thursday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, this is Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Let's do it together. Keep Keep your eyes on on the stars. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. We hope you've enjoyed today's show and we'll tune in again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, go live your best life.